start in Isaiah chapter 54, uh, verses 1 through 3. Um, while you're turning there, uh, I was, man, I was just driving all around here today and enjoying the scenery, and the Lord just put a burden on me for this service tonight. And uh, I want you to know that seasons are, are, are set times with God. Does that make sense? That, that the, I know we all love the, the book of Ecclesiastes and we all go there when it talks about seasons for everything. You got to understand that a season is an appointed time. And when you're in seasons, it's preparation for what God's going to do at the end of the season. And this is what we're going to get into tonight. And I'm, I feel like God has given me a word for each and every person, no matter where you're at in your walk with God, I feel like God has got something to say to you tonight. Is that all right? Isaiah chapter 54, verse number one. Uh, I love this passage of scripture because it says, Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Now this next two verses to me is very peculiar because although it was not yet, God tells his people to prepare for what is about to happen. And although there was not a great increase of children at that moment, God said, I don't want you to be reactive to what I'm trying to do in the kingdom. I want you to be active according to what I'm going to do in the kingdom. And so he tells them to do this in preparation for what he's about to do. So he tells them, this is what I'm going to do, but this is how you're going to prepare in the process. Enlarge the place of thy tent. And let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not. You got to think about that. Spare not. Lengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left. And thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles. And make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Now let's jump over to Genesis chapter 17, verse number 21. The Bible says, But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah, Sarah shall bear unto thee after the set time. The set time in the next year. The set time. For the next few moments, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to preach to you on this subject, the Feast of Prophecy. Would you set your Bibles down and would you lift your hands one more time all across this house? And would you just ask that heaven would have his will and his way? Is that all right? Really lift your voice and, and I, want you to, I want you to bind distraction right now. Ask that any distraction that would come against this service would be removed right now. Anoint me from the top of my head down to the soles of my feet. 
quicken your scriptures within my mind. Allow me to say what you want me to say and do what you've called me to do. Lord, I pray right now that you would take dominion over anything in this room that would be a distraction. And we loose the gifts of the Spirit to flow right now. I especially loose the gift of faith into this atmosphere that people would begin to believe right now that every impossible situation that has been brought into this room by the power of the Holy Ghost will be made possible before it's done. Lord, right now, let it be in the wonderful, matchless name of Jesus. If you believe God's going to do a great work, would you lift your hands and would you just praise Him for the next 30 seconds? Come on, take 30 seconds right now and just praise the Lord. Come on, a real praise. Let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, you got 15 more seconds of praise in you. Come on, just 15 more seconds of praising God right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Now, if you're going to help me preach, you can be seated in Jesus' name. That's what I should say. Amen. Amen. There are uh, there are seven there are seven major feasts in in the uh, ways of the Jewish culture. Um, there are three major feasts that. Uh, I, that I want to focus on tonight, and really, there's three major feasts, and there's they're they're, they're all very important. Four more subsequent to the three that I'm going to try to bring out here tonight, uh, and the three that we're going to talk about uh, is the feast of Passover is where we're going to start. Anybody here ever heard of the Passover? Raise your hand if you've heard of Passover. Good, everybody has. I don't have to spend too much time here tonight. The Feast of Passover began uh, when the children of Israel were on the concluding time of their 430-something years in bondage. It was a prophetic word given to Abraham that your, your seed is going to go into a land of which they are going to be a stranger. They're going to enter that land as a family. But while they're in the time of persecution, they're going to become a great nation. Because God's people have always thrived under adversity. When we come into adverse times, we don't need to get fearful. We need to realize God's getting ready to multiply something in our life. God's people thrive under adversity. And, and it was in this time that as the, as the uh, last of the ten plagues, and I could take time on each plague and I could bring out uh, uh, each one, but we're going to focus on the last plague because the last plague uh, is the plague of which the death angel is going to pass over. And this death angel is going to sweep all across Egypt. And it's going to go through uh, where the Egyptians live. And it's going to go through Goshen where the children of Israel live. And this Passover angel is looking for one thing. That the blood is applied to the doorpost of a home. 
Now when you begin to look into what God tells his people, this is what you've got to do to escape the death of your firstborn. And what they would have to do here is uh, they would begin that each house, each family was going to take a lamb. And as they take this lamb, and as you begin to look into this in Exodus chapter 12, you will see that it's very peculiar how God tells them that they have to eat the lamb. Everybody has to eat it. And and as they are eating this lamb, you have to see the New Testament type and shadows. You have to see the New Testament implications of new birth that you and I are involved here today because the lamb represents Jesus. And he said, you got to get the lamb on the inside if you're going to escape death. That's why Jesus in John chapter 14 says, I will be in you. You see, the only way to get him in you is to get filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Except a man is born again of water and of spirit. That spiritual birth is how you get the lamb, is how you get Christ in you. And unless you have Christ in you, you have no hope of glory. And the only way to get Christ in you is to lift your hands, repent of your sins, and be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And you know, some people say, well, you only have to speak in tongues one time. I strongly disagree because in John chapter 7, he said this would be a river of living water. I've never seen a river flow once that's called a river. And I'll tell you what else he says. He doesn't say river singular like we like to quote it. He said it's going to be rivers of living water. It's a continual flow. I can't speak in tongues just once and it be a continual flow. Friends, I'm going to speak in tongues when I wake up in the morning. Before I go to bed at night, I'm going to pray till I know I'm flowing in the spirit. You got to keep the flow going. Five wives and five foolish virgins. What were the wise ones notified as? They had oil in the tank. That oil is representation of the Spirit of God. And the only way I got to know that I've got enough oil is when it starts bubbling over. And when it begins to overflow, I can't help but loose that tongue because he said in Isaiah chapter 28, it would be with stammering lips and another tongue he would speak to this people. That's you and me, friend. Amen. And so you got to get the lamb in you. And I find it peculiar that he says you've got to eat the head of the lamb. This is what he says in Exodus chapter 15. And the legs of the lamb. Read the Bible. It's in there. And then he goes on to say you've got to eat the insides of the lamb too. Because when you get a hold of this new birth experience, it's supposed to affect the way you walk. You got to eat the legs of the lamb. You've got to get all of Jesus. And when you get all of Jesus, you're not going to walk the same way you used to walk. If you're walking the same way you used to walk when you were filled with the Holy Ghost, I don't think you got the same lamb I got. Because when Jesus got a hold of me, it changed the way this young man maneuvered about through life. And you said you got to eat the head of the lamb. That includes the eyes. 
Because it affects how you see when you get filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. It affects how you look at things when you get filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. When you get filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and you start looking at something you shouldn't watch, there's a turning that happens in your gut. It's called conviction. And conviction is still a good thing. We got to quit running from conviction like it's a negative thing. Conviction is that nudge of the Holy Ghost that tells you, you better leave it alone. You better not go there. You better not watch that. You better not do that. You better not let yourself feast on that. Yeah, Friends, can we preach conviction as it's condemnation sometimes or we don't preach that we think that condemnation says this you're not good enough for the altar conviction says this if you don't get to that altar you're not going to make it we need conviction moving in our lives we need conviction moving in our prayer times and our personal walk with we still need conviction and it also you got to eat the ears of the lamb because it's going to affect how you hear. That's why Jesus said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith. You know that E-T-H at the end of that? It means that there's a continual speaking. That's what that means at the end of he heareth. It means God's always speaking, but he needs a people that are always willing to listen. And the issue with uh, the ears of the lamb is we just like to listen to God when it's convenient or when it's easy or when it fits our schedule or when it fits our life. No, no, no. When God's speaking, uh, I want to know I'm listening to the voice of God. Sometimes the voice of God is from the pastor in your pulpit when your pastor says such and such and you don't want to hear it. What you don't know is the watchman on the wall is trying to pull you away from a pit, trying to save you from wolves, trying to keep you from the kingdom. This, this, this lamb should affect how you hear. It should affect everything about your life. He said you got to eat the whole lamb. You gotta, you gotta eat the, you gotta eat the eyes. You gotta eat with your ears, and you gotta eat the mouth of the lamb. That the head includes the lips of the lamb. Ooh, boy, we could stay there all night. We, you know, we. It should affect how we speak. I said the lamb, the Christ in us, should affect our vocabulary. It shouldn't be that a Holy Ghost filled child of God is easily sowing discord or easily speaking negative things. No, when you get the lamb on the inside, friends, it ought to affect how you talk. Oh, I feel like staying there just for a second. It's no wonder that in the book of Corinthians when Paul got ready to address what a babe in the spirit was, he said, those of you, he said, I'm having to feed you milk because you're babes. And then he goes on to say, because you're sowing discords among the people. I'll tell you how I know whether you're mature or if you're a babe in Christ. Let me know what you're saying to your neighbor when pastor's not around. Because when you're mature in Christ, the lamb will affect what you say. It'll affect how you talk to your neighbor. It'll affect how you talk to your friends. Oh, it's getting a little tight there. We may stay here just for a little bit. The lamb ought to speak faith. The lamb is going to speak conviction. The lamb is going to speak positivity. The lamb. Oh, Lord. The lamb is going to give you the fruit of his spirit. And the fruit of his spirit's love, joy, peace, temperance, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness, faithfulness. Against there is no such law. 
Because when you get the lamb living on the inside, it's going to affect you. you. You don't have time to speak negative things. No, you don't have time to be negative around people. You've got time to do one thing, speak life. Because what you've got living on the inside of you is life and that much more abundantly. And so when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, yes, it should change how we talk. It's the way that the Lamb affects everything that we do. When you get Jesus living on the inside... It ought to affect your vocabulary, your verbiage. It it ought to tell you better things. It's a better way of life. It's a rock that you can build a foundation upon, that you can build your family upon, that you can build a future upon. And and, and the second thing that I, I love about Passover is that he told them, he said, take the blood of the lamb and paint it on the doorpost. On the sides and on the top, the blood is not meant to be on the base of the doorpost because when you step through the blood, nothing goes over the blood. You see, Jesus said, I am the door. And the blood-stained doorpost, I see it as baptism in Jesus' name. Because not only did Jesus say in John chapter 14 that I would be in you, but he also said that you would be in me. And when you step through that door, you're stepping through the blood. And the reason the blood could go on the sides and the top and not the bottom is because your past can't make it through the blood. Let me tell you something, friend. When you're baptized in the name of Jesus, absolutely nothing makes it through those waters of baptism. I don't care what sin you committed. I don't care what past you have. I still believe in the old song. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. I thank God for the blood. Thank You ought to be more excited if you've been baptized right now. Thank you for your hand clap, but there ought to be a shout of rejoicing. Had it not been for the blood, I wouldn't be here. Had it not been for the cross, I wouldn't be standing here. I'm thankful for the blood. There's a preacher. There's a preacher that I highly revere. He says it like this. Had it not been for Jesus, this is how that song would go. What can wash away my sins? Nothing. What can make me whole again? Nothing. But thanks be to God, he went to Calvary's cross. Thanks be to God, they stretched him far and they stretched him wide because you and I have an end to that song here tonight. What can wash away my sins? The blood, the precious blood, the holy blood, the righteous blood, the blood that was not like anything that came from bulls or goats or calves. It was a precious blood. It was a a holy Take a few minutes and just rejoice if you're thankful for the blood here. My, 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 praise God. Woo, thank God for the blood. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Thank God for the blood. 
If you're here tonight and you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, you ought to take a trip all down there and get in the water. Let me tell you something. There's nothing like baptism in Jesus' name. There's nothing like the washing away of your sins. There's nothing like going down in the water and coming out a new creature in Christ Jesus. The Bible says old things are passed away. All things become new. Praise God. My goodness. nothing quite like the blood I'm taking too much time on this point but boy I can stay on Passover for a long time because it also says that Passover when you kill this lamb he said it's going to be the beginning of this month and it's going to be a new year we like to celebrate the new year January 1st 2023 and that's good and that's right but there's another new year that came into your life that new year happened when you were baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost hey I might be 25 in reality but I've been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost for 20 years my grandpa drugged me down to an altar at junior camp at the age of 5 years old explaining to me what was about to happen and I was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost not long after I was baptized in the name of Jesus I'm really 20 years old in Christ and I thank God every day that he filled me, he saved me and I'm living here today redeemed It's a new year when you come up out of that water. It's a new day when you're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm still excited about salvation. That's right. Oh, I gotta I gotta get off this point. I'm sorry. I gotta get off of penitence. I love I thank God for the blood. Oh, thank God for salvation. Amen. Someone just shout unto the Lord. There's a, there's a great gift of faith in this room. Come on, let's just praise him just for a minute. My, my, my. Mm. Amen. And then, 50 days later, after they come up out of Egypt. Now, there's more I could preach on Passover, but i got to get off that point. Talk about how they put their sandals on and they girded their loins. Because the Bible said you're going to exit swiftly out of Egypt. It's not long after you get baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You're headed out of Egypt, baby. You're getting out of this world. You may be earthly bound right now, but that Red Sea is about to part. And when you come up out of that other side, let me tell you something. It's going to be grandor. I don't live in Egypt anymore. I left the world a long time ago. I might be here physically, but spiritually, I'm up in heaven and I thank God for it. All right, that's really the last point on, on Passover, I promise. And then 50 days later from Passover, we like to call it the day of Pentecost. That's what we celebrate. But there is Shavuot, or Shavuot, however you want to say it. I, I'm not Jewish, so... Forgive me if I butcher it, but 50 days later, you have the, the giving of the law. And I love because you have this language that God uses, and he says it was by the finger of God that he reached down, and he wrote on tablets of stone. And this is what we celebrate as the day of Pentecost. 
Yes, it was hundreds of years later, a few thousand years later that, that we know that the Spirit of God was poured out on the day of Pentecost. And, and that is mirrored because the finger of God, you see, the Bible uses this thing, it's called anthropomorphic language. And it's what they're trying to do is, is they're trying to let us understand how God operates within our, our human ability to understand. God has no right hand because John chapter 4 verse number 24, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship worship him in spirit and in truth God is a spirit and so how do you characterize a spirit to humanity we can't understand what a spirit is and so they say that God has a right hand but God really has no right hand what they're trying to say is this is the power of God on display that's why when you see Jesus sitting at the right hand there's not a physical seat that Jesus is literally sitting on the right hand what he's trying to say is is Jesus is the power of God on display when you invoke the name of Jesus, you're invoking power over everything. You're invoking authority over everything. You're invoking dominion over everything. You're, when you say in the name of Jesus Christ, principalities tremble, mountains shake, demons flee, addictions break. My Lord, because you're seeing the power of God on display. That's right. And when they talk about the finger of God, they're talking, this is this is. God trying to give us the understanding of his spirit moving. The Bible says it was the finger of God that parted the Red Sea. It was the finger of God that reached down and on a tablet of stone he carved out what we now know as the Ten Commandments with the finger. It was the spirit of God moving. And that's why on the day of Pentecost, it was the Spirit of God that came down. And it was the Spirit of God, according to the book of Romans. It didn't write it on the tablet of stone this time. No, no, no. This tablet was the tablet of my heart. And the day I was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, he wrote his law right here on my heart. Beloved, know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you and in me. I thank God that I'm filled with the Spirit. I thank God for the move of Pentecost. I thank God that Pentecost did not stop in an upper room, but that the promise was for your children and your children's children and all that are far off. Anybody thankful for Pentecost? Anybody thankful that the power of the Holy Ghost was poured out and that you and I are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost? Oh, I thank God for the Holy Ghost. I thank God that his spirit is living on the inside of me. We celebrate Pentecost. That's, it's the outpouring of God's spirit. And we rejoice when God is pouring out his spirit. Nobody rejoices more. I love seeing people filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. My friend, what, what's his name again? Justin, I rejoice with you. God filled you with the gift of the Holy Ghost last night. I see a, I see a grin on you and I think that, that's the joy of the Lord. Let me tell you something about Pentecost. Is Pentecost doesn't just happen 50 days after Passover now. You can have a Pentecost in your car tomorrow. You can have a Pentecost in your prayer room. You can have a Pentecost in your prayer closet. Pentecost isn't limited to an upper room. It'll fill Justin with the Holy Ghost standing right about here and it'll fill you and it'll fill me and it'll pour out all over Glen Ferris. It'll move all the way... It'll go up and down this valley. There's nothing like Pentecost. I love Pentecost. 
power of God. I've prayed that God would show me every miracle that took place in the book of Acts. I want to see every single one of them. February, I saw one just like the miracle at the gate called Beautiful. Ooh. There was a young man, British Columbia, Fort St. John, British Columbia. I was preaching. And the same, I'm telling you, I'm not saying this for ear service. And I'm not saying this just to say it. The same atmosphere that's in this room right now was the atmosphere that was in that room the night that this happened. Young man was, he was up here. He had two casts on his feet. He had just gotten back from a specialist. He was a soccer player. He had just gotten back from a specialist on that Thursday. I believe that this miracle either took place on a Friday night or a Saturday night revival. I can't remember which night that it was. He had just gotten back and they had formulated these special casts because he had fractures all through his feet. I mean, all through his feet. And these fractures were causing him so much pain. Couldn't play soccer anymore. He walked around in a lot of pain. He couldn't stand for very long before he was in excruciating pain. And so they developed these special casts so that he could be a little bit more mobile. And the Lord spoke to me. He was standing just about there and I was standing about right over there. The Lord spoke to me and said, tell that young man if he will commit those feet to spread the gospel all the days of his life I'll heal him tonight I ventured on down the platform I stood right where he was at I said young man if you'll commit those feet to spread the gospel all the days of your life God will heal you right now in this very moment that young man said I will I said lift your hands in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ be healed and immediately he was healed he took those cast off I got a video of him running and dancing all through the temple let me tell you something miracles happen because the spirit of God where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty it's not by my might and it's not by my power it's by your spirit saith the Lord God I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me I have the ability you have the ability because of the spirit of God oh if you love it you ought to clap your hands and shout right now my lord have mercy boy I hope this is alright tonight I've been preaching too long is this all right? Am I taking too long? Well, y'all said preach. Uh, the Morgan gene is really kicking in tonight. It hasn't kicked in like this ever. There's another feast called the Feast of Tabernacles, which they believe is uh, the second coming of the Lord where he will establish his kingdom. Between those feasts is the Feast of Trumpets, which is where they believe that God is going to uh, blow the trumpet and, 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 and the rapture of the church is going to take place. And in between the Feast of Pentecost and the Feast of Tabernacles, it's a, it's a dry season for Israel. I, I want to slow down. I want you to hear what I'm about to say because God is about to release something in this room. The bomb of Gal Gilead is going to be released in this room. And there's going to be such a healing that comes into this place tonight. It's not just going to be physical healing, but emotional things are going to happen. Those of you that are weary in well-doing, those of you that feel like you're going to throw in the towel after this service is over, you're going to be baptized with a fresh fire to just keep going and not quit and just keep pressing and just keep even though the going gets tough you're gonna say boy i'm not gonna stop now lord have mercy there's a there's a tangible presence of god in here right now and and in between the feast of tabernacles and the feast of pentecost it's a dry season 
nothing's really happening, Brother Smells, and nothing, nothing's really taking place in, in that time. There's not much rain. There's not much harvest. Very little is happening in that season. And, and as I was studying about these, these feasts, trying to get an understanding, I, I stumbled upon this thought process that a group of, of theologians come together in agreement with, and they say this three to four month span in Israel, you got to hear me, they come together in agreement that this is called the Feast of Prophecy. Feast of Prophecy. What is the Feast of Prophecy? They say that the Feast of Prophecy is in this dry season between Pentecost, which we know is the mighty outpouring of God's Spirit, and the establishment of God's kingdom, the second coming of the Lord. In between that, they say, they say in this season, it's a, it's a little bit dry, and nothing's really happened. They said, this is called the Feast of Prophecy, because when nothing is really happening in the present, you learn to feast on what's to come. Now, I'm going to preach for just a minute here, and I feel a boldness coming over me right now. I'm going to preach to somebody who's done everything right. I'm going to preach to somebody who's prayed and who's fasted and who has sought God, and God gave you a word. God spoke to you that prophetic word that this was going to happen, that that, that son and that daughter was going to pray through, and it never happened, that, that God was going to do this for you and your family, and it hasn't quite happened yet, and you're wondering where in the world is God. You're wondering why in the world hasn't it happened like the preacher said it was going to happen. Maybe it was prophesied 10 years ago and you're still waiting on the fulfillment of this specific word and you're wondering where is God? Why hasn't it happened? Can I tell you when it seems like nothing is happening in the now? That's when you've got to feast on the word of God. That's when you've got to feast on what's to come. I'm here to preach to somebody. Don't you dare give up in the journey. Don't you dare give up in the season of preparation. It may not have happened yet, but just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean that God has lied to you. It doesn't mean that God has forsaken you. You've just got to feast on the word of God because heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass. The grass wither and the flower fadeth, but my word, but my word, it shall not pass. It shall not pass. Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. Really, many nations. Look down at the sand of the sea. Start counting the sand. That's going to be your kids, Abraham. Really, really. Abraham, look up at the stars. Start counting the stars. One, five billion, seven billion. I lost count. I don't know how to keep counting, Lord. But God, it hasn't happened yet. Where's the promise? It's at a set time, Abraham. Oh, Lord, you got to help me here tonight. You see that word set time. I, I looked it up today because I wanted to be sure I deliver this correctly to you. It literally means the place of meeting. So this is how God operates within his kingdom. Come up here with me. Thank you very much. God says, all right, you're here. This is when the word is spoken. And God declares the end from the beginning. And so you're at the start line and you see the promise of God way over here, which is going to be represented as your dad. So this is where you're at and God speaks to you. That's what it's going to be when it's all said and done. 
But the space between the spoken word and the fulfilled word is called preparation. In between me telling you you're going to be the father of many nations, Abraham, and you becoming the father of many nations, Abraham, there's going to be a journey. And let me tell you something, Abram. This is what he had to understand. is while he was on the journey, there was trials. While he was on the journey, there was tribulation. While he was on the journey, there were things that happened. And watch, on the journey, he is offered Hagar. Now, I feel like preaching this strong tonight, and I don't know why. He gets offered Hagar, and he takes Hagar, and him and Hagar have a son by the name of Ishmael. Now, you have to understand, when he has a son with Hagar, it proves that Abraham isn't the problem. Sarah's the problem. And Sarah represents the church of the Most High God. That's why the apostle said, you are not sons and daughters of the bondwoman, which was Hagar, but you are sons and daughter of the free woman, which is Sarah. Sarah represents the bride of Christ. Sarah represents the church of the living God. And so what he was trying to get through Abraham's head is there's nothing wrong with Sarah. You better hear me in the Holy Ghost. When you enter into a season of tribulation and trial, there's nothing wrong with the church of the Most High God. And now's not the time to forsake Sarah because Hagar can produce it quicker. Only one son is going to have covenant. Only one son is going to have promise. You can't lose sight of the bride. There's nothing wrong with the apostolic church. There's nothing wrong with this church's message. There's nothing wrong with this church's separation. There's nothing wrong with this service's times of prayer. There's nothing wrong with what this preacher preaches across the pulpit. Just because it hasn't happened like you thought it was going to happen doesn't mean it's not going to come to pass. It means God's working on you. God's taking you to a meeting place. And if you ever get to the meeting place, every Everything you've ever wanted is there. Come on, somebody needs to worship right now. I'm dealing with something in the supernatural. There's nothing wrong with this church. There's nothing wrong with the bride. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong. Oh man, there's a witness of the Holy Ghost in here. Somebody in this church better hear me right now. You feel like quitting and throwing in the towel and you're telling yourself there's something wrong with this church. There's nothing wrong with God's church. Let me tell you something. You go back to the beginning in the garden. You stand in the garden. God did not say that there would be enmity between the man and the devil or the man and the serpent. God said, I will put enmity between the woman and the serpent. Now you understand that the serpent was not revealed as the devil until you get to Revelation. God left 65 books for you to learn that the devil operates in many forms and many fashions. 
He ain't always a serpent. Sometimes he's a family member. Sometimes he's a friend. Sometimes he's somebody on the news. Somebody, he's somebody, sometimes somebody on Instagram. Sometimes he's somebody you've been texting that you know you shouldn't be texting. The devil ain't always a serpent. He takes on many forms. But there's a reason that he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Because the woman is the representation of the bride of Christ. And the bride of Christ is the church of the living God. Eve is the first look at you and I as the church. And so now the reason that there is a war against the identity of what a woman is. They want to preach women's rights, but they can't identify what a woman is because they have to blur the line of femininity because what the world is mirroring in the natural, the devil is mirroring in the supernatural. And while the world wants to erase what the woman is in the natural, the devil wants to erase what the church is off the face of the earth. There's nothing wrong with the church of the living God. This is the most powerful entity on the face of the earth. Putin isn't more powerful. Biden isn't more powerful. Kim Jong-un isn't more powerful. There's one Lord, one thing, and he's the most powerful thing on the face of the earth. And there's always been a war against the woman and the enemy. Oh, Lord, help me. I was not planning on preaching all this, but here we go. There's nothing wrong with the church. Stick with the bride because the bride at the set time. My God, have mercy. There's a set time. There's an appointment. It said in the original that it would be like a meeting place. You got to think about that, a meeting place. Oh, God. There, there is a specific meeting place. That God, from the point of prophetic word spoken to the point of prophetic word fulfilled, there's a meeting place where it's going to happen. I'll prove it to you. Hey, Joe, a.k.a. Joseph, guess what? The sheaves are going to bow to you. The stars are going to bow to you. Your brothers are going to bow. Nations are going to bow. But let me give it to you like this, Joe. Before they bow, and I know you really like your beautiful coat of colors, there's a set meeting place for you that looks like a palace. And, and you're going to be next to a real powerful man in, in a court named Pharaoh. But between the spoken word and the fulfilled word is a pit that your own brothers are going to throw you in. And it's not comfortable. And you're going to lose this pretty coat of colors. And then when you get in the pit, old Judah's going to speak on your behalf. And then you're going to go into slavery. Thank God that Judah spoke. Then you're going to go into slavery. From slavery, you're going to enter into Potiphar's house. While you're in Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife is going to lie on you even though you haven't done anything wrong. And then you're headed to a prison. Is that what the journey looked like in your eyes when you saw stars bowing and making obstinance to you? Is that what it looked like when you saw wheat bowing? Is that what it looked like, Joe? Oh, no, absolutely not. But this is called preparation. And you got to understand, the only thing that will carry a saint of God through the season of preparation is faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of the Lord. 
And so this is what God will do. God will speak to you the word. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, even though the evidence of things is not yet seen. So you're going to be here, and while you're in the pit, I am convinced that old Joe just kept saying, God is faithful. God can do it. There's nothing that my God can do. And then he's in slavery. There's nothing that my God can do. It's a little tough. I can't believe my brothers threw me in a pit and then put me in slavery. Now I'm in Potiphar's house. Well, the favor of God's on me. I'm second in command. It's going kind of good. And then all of a sudden, you get stripped of everything you've ever known. And then all of a sudden, you're in a prison. And the butler and the baker, you think they forgot about you. But next thing you know, old Joe, you're standing right where God told you you would stand. Because all through the process, you just said, God is faithful. God can do it. I'm going to feast on what was spoken. I'm not going to get caught up in what is going on in the present and lose sight of what God said he was going to do. I feel this in the Holy Ghost right now. If I'm off, you can have this microphone. You hear me. God gave you the perfect man for the hour. You hear me in the Holy Ghost right now. I feel like there's maybe one person in this room, maybe two, I don't know, that felt like it was supposed to be you or somebody else. God gave you the right man for the revival that he's sending to this church. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. My Lord, have mercy. You see... I'm done. Stay standing. I'm, I'm serious. I, I've, I've preached way longer than I normally preach, and I'm sorry. I'm not sorry because we're flowing in the Holy Ghost. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 11. Now watch. This process has happened for Abraham and Sarah, right? But she feasted on the word even when the word wasn't easy. She feasted on what God was saying even when what God was saying wasn't easy. Even when God spoke to Abraham and said it was going to happen. And old Sarah hears it from the back of the tent and starts laughing. There's no way God can. I am past the point of conception. I'm married. I know what that means now. I can't have a kid. There's no hope of that. Oh, yes, there is. Because God's faithful. And although he spoke it when you were able, he meant it was going to come to pass when he is able. Because if it would have happened when you thought you were able, you would have got the glory. But now that it's going to happen when God said, I'm the only one that could have ever got the credit. I'm the only one that could have ever got the glory. When it happens like God intends for it, that man, I feel the Holy Ghost so strong right now. When it comes to pass like God says it's going to come to pass, everybody in this building is not going to say, boy, look what the, such a, no, no, no. Look what the Lord, look what the Lord, look what the Lord has done. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 11. Through faith also Sarah herself received to strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. Are you ready? Because she judged him. She judged him faithful who had promised. 
even when she was laughing at God, Brother Matt, she said, my God is able to do just what he said he was going to do. Even when she thought she was past the point of the promise coming to pass, just like some of you in this room, you think you'll never preach. You think you'll never do what you were told you were going to do. Let me tell you, you're a prime candidate now for you to look back at what God has done and say, boy, I judged him faithful all the days of my life. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they come for me. Come on, you're going to look back over the end of your life just like David did. Every valley he walked through, I never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed out begging bread. Surely goodness and mercy have followed me all the days of my life. If you are in this room, and you're ready to receive a strength like no other, please join me in this altar right now. God's about to release a strength into this room. God's about to release the balm of Gilead in this room. You hear me right now. You're not past the point of your ministry being effective. You're not past the point of the promise of God coming to pass in your life. Maybe it's been a long time since you've spoken in tongues. Tonight's the night for you to speak in tongues. Maybe it's been a long time. Maybe you're back here tonight and you weren't ever going to come back but you decided to show up. Friend, let me tell you, there's a faithful God and you're about to judge him as faithful. Lift your hands. It's here. I'm done. Lift your hands and call upon the name of the Lord right now. I loose the balm of Gilead in this room right now. I loose the healing balm of Gilead.